Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from all three readings, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I read a book this week that really challenged me. It was a book that speaks against all kinds of things going on in society today. As I list some of these topics, think about what comes to your mind. Self-righteousness, deceit, greed, oppression of the poor, arrogance, materialism, heart-filled worship of stuff, and heartless worship of God. I can't tell you what you pictured, but if you take a look around at the world, at society, or if you read and watch the news, you're bound to find at least one of these things. But the book I read was written before last week. In fact, it was written just over 2,700 years ago. Its author was a guy named Amos. And I would say his words are pretty relevant to us today, as we heard in the Old Testament reading. You might say that you have a pretty good life, wouldn't you? The people of Israel at Amos' time would say the same thing. They were rich and growing richer, powerful and growing more powerful. Their prestige and power seemed to be expanding with no end in sight. And success is a great thing. What the people let it do to them spiritually wasn't. Instead of growing in thanksgiving to God for their blessings, they grew spiritually lazy and fell into all kinds of awful messes. They began to be characterized by greed and self-righteous attitudes and all the other stuff I just mentioned. And God was justifiably angry with these people. They started worshiping other gods. Some of them were idols. Some of it was their own success they worshiped. Instead of worshiping their creator God who had actually provided all this success. So God sends his prophet to proclaim his judgment an outsider, not a professional prophet or a man from the royal courts, but as Amos says in his own words, a guy who was making a living in the fields. He said, But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. And when God called Amos, this is what happened. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. What God showed to him was God standing on or beside a perfectly aligned wall with a plumb line in his hand. If you don't know what it is or have never heard of it, it's just a simple construction tool, a a string with a weight on it that is held up next to a wall to measure if it is built straight and square. But you can see why God would use an image like this concerning his word and law. Because plumb lines deal with reality. They don't mess around with softening results or making excuses or explanations. They only say that a wall is plumb or that it isn't. And God's law does the same. 
It makes no attempt to soften blows on our pride, or accept any excuses, or with hearing our explanations of our sinful hearts and minds and mouths. It has only one verdict. Right, wrong. Holy, unholy. Acceptable, unacceptable. And we can go about doing all the arguing we want, we can justify, excuse, or ignore our sin as much as we like, but we can't change reality. God didn't pass by the people in Amos's day, and he doesn't neglect us with the plumb line either. He said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. We might ask, Who holds the plumb line? Amos is very clear. God holds the plumb line. And it was showing just how crooked Israel had become. But when Amos started to share that information with Israel's leaders, he soon realized that those leaders had a different perspective. They had their own false prophets holding a plumb line up. And that plumb line was showing their way as straight up and true. And even though Amos was told to go fly a kite, take his words elsewhere, None of that stopped Amos from bearing witness to the one who held the plumb line of the word of truth. If we look at the gospel reading, John the Baptist proclaims to Herod the crookedness of his married life according to God's holding of the plumb line. That was a clear witness to all who hear John's preaching. It was a call to repentance. Herod seems to struggle to take in that perspective. Mark tells us he is perplexed by what he hears from John, but also hears it gladly. His perplexity comes from having the world's perspective held out to him most of the time. For Herod, the plumb line is held up to his life by his unlawful wife, who says, by the world's standard, their marriage is fine. But God's plumb line troubles Herod enough that he protects John the Baptist from being killed. But that changes when the plumb line gets passed over to Herod's esteemed guests at his birthday party. By their plumb line, it would be dishonorable for Herod to go back on his ill-advised and reckless promise to his stepdaughter. As John the Baptist's head is brought forward, it is obvious who holds the plumb line by which Herod determines straight and upright behavior. With many moral and ethical standards being eroded in our society today, people around us may be struggling to determine what is straight up and true. Is it obvious to our family members, neighbors, and friends that we stand with Amos and John the Baptist, proclaiming that God holds the plumb line that determines what is holy, just, and true? Are we providing a clear witness to God's true and holy word? You see, and I didn't come up with this phrase, someone else did, but God's plumb ain't dumb. It speaks, and it doesn't tell us what we want to hear, just the reality, just the truth, even if you aren't happy with its verdict. The reality is this, the plumb line is still around still making judgments about our sins, still speaking the truth about us and to us. And the truth is, 
what it has to say isn't pretty. The world wants us to believe that truth is relative, that the plumb line is relative. And so your truth isn't necessarily my truth, and your plumb isn't the same as my plumb. This is what the world says because it's not easy to accept that there is a supreme authority in our lives, and that supreme authority isn't you or me. It's not easy to confront the fact that God has real standards for your life. What is good and bad, right and wrong, what is just and unjust in our life? And oftentimes, we run from this reality and resort to trying to use other measures in our lives. Measures that aren't so tough, or that leaves us some wiggle room, some elbow room, or that don't quite make us feel so accountable for our actions. Sometimes we use what I could call the speed of traffic argument. I'm not talking about the highway, but society. So often we try to find comfort in thinking, well, I was only keeping up with everyone else. We want to use outside forces as the judge of our behavior rather than the word of God. And this leads to a real drift from God's word as we accept the shifting sands of society's views on all kinds of things. Sexuality, marriage issues, gender issues, life issues, and on and on. It's just as bad an idea today as it was when Amos and John spoke against it. You can go the speed of traffic, and you can still drive over the cliff with traffic too. The last thing we do is we try to judge ourselves by the actions of others rather than according to the word. This is another bad idea, but we all do it, don't we? Maybe I'm lying, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Maybe I'm stealing, but it's not like it's some Ponzi scheme. I know I gossip, but You want to know who really is a bad gossip? Maybe I'm lusting, but I'm not hurting anyone. We could do this all day. All I can say is if you find yourself saying, at least I'm not as bad as this person, and I do it too, then great. You just got yourself a first-class seat on the Hindenburg. We're all going to the same place without God's grace in our lives. Oh, the humanity doesn't begin to explain the fire and destruction our sins deserve. We all deserve hell for our sins, for following our own plumb line rather than God's. God's law, his plumb line, for as much as it hurts sometimes, for as much as it challenges us and makes us uncomfortable and aware of our sinfulness, is a great gift from our loving Father. Part of the reason for God's plumb line is to make us aware of our sin and realize that we cannot save ourselves and that the only source there is is the one who holds the plumb line. God never calls us out on our sin to separate himself from us, but in order to make us aware of our distress, our drowning, and turn to him for help and a lifeline. God holds the plumb line, but he also sent his son, Jesus, to keep the standard, to measure up, to be perfect, so that he could die for our sins, for all the times we measure ourselves to our own plumb line. 
Jesus came for our sinfulness and unholiness and crookedness, and he died in our place to give us his perfection, and so that we would not suffer the punishment of hell, but receive the gift of heaven. That is the promise for all who believe. And Jesus rose from the dead, proving God's plumb line to be true. God loves you that much. He loves you so much that there is never a point at which you can't turn back to him, and he'll be right there to welcome you home. Even that turning back is a gift from God, the Holy Spirit working in your life for repentance. And God has given us another gift, and you've seen it this morning. If truth was relative and we all had our own plumb lines, there'd be no need for baptism. If the law is relative, then sin is relative, and we don't need baptism to wash our sins clean. And we don't need the gift of faith because God's word doesn't matter. And we don't need to be a part of God's family because it doesn't mean anything. We don't hold the plumb line. God does. And he has given this gift to his church. So praise God that by our baptism into Christ, we have been clothed with his righteousness. So when God the Father holds the plumb line up against us, he does so against our new life in Christ. He sees us through Christ. And we see in the New Testament from Ephesians that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Christ's blood was shed for the sins of the whole world, and we have the promise of eternal life only by God's grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ is the only way that our lives can be seen as straight up and true. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.